Hello, hello. Welcome to a podcast for moms. I'm your host, Julia Sparkman. Super appreciate you listening. This is a very special episode for me. Today's episode is with Dora of Fuchsia Soul. Dora is a modern mystic, a coach, an artist, a tutor of cultural and historical studies at London College of Fashion, and a mom, as she refers to it, to an almost three-year-old. Dora is a German native living in London, so today you're listening to a podcast for moms. And this episode is special to me because Dora and I connected through the A Podcast for Moms Instagram page. And one of my intentions for A Podcast for Moms was to meet and connect with women all over the world. And that happened within weeks of the soft launch. When I launched my Instagram page, I think it was about two weeks later that Dora and I connected. And we've cultivated this really cool overseas friendship and relationships like ours is truly one of the reasons I'm so happy I started this podcast. Now, today's episode is titled Honoring Your Own Journey and Doing the Inner Work. And part of Dora's inner work practices, I don't know if I'm saying that right, one of the practices that she does to explore her inner work, there we go, is tarot. And Dora offers tarot readings. And I had the pleasure of receiving a reading from her a few weeks before we recorded. It was an amazing experience. And we talk about it during the episode. And she also shares some of her other practices that she does to connect to her inner work, as well as a program that she's launching in September. So listen up for that. And in regards to honoring your own journey, I love this episode because Dora's journey has been so different from my journey and it has been so positively impactful to listen to other moms who have mommed differently than I've mommed as it's kind of just happened through recording this podcast. Almost everyone I've recorded with so far has had more or less an entirely different um, experience with motherhood and they, yeah, just a different experience. And so I used to get really triggered when I would hear from women who have done things differently than me, and I would more so judge myself. And Dora and I talk about judgment during our conversation, and that is one thing that this podcast is helping me to move away from, judging myself and judging other moms for their choices. And I hope that through listening to these conversations, you can start to find a space to learn from other moms who are momming differently than you. And instead of comparing yourselves to the mom that you're listening to, just try to listen and learn. And that's obviously easier said than done, but it's a practice to just listen without judgment. And I invite you to take that on today and every time that you listen, just see how things will shift when you start to just listen. And if anything, I've been in and out of 12-step recovery programs for more than half of my life. And one thing that they really focus on is teaching you to focus on the similarities of the person that's sharing during a meeting. And I invite you to do the same, to notice where in the conversation you identify yourself with. And if there are any spots or moments that you feel yourself judging yourself or maybe judging what she has to say, just honor your own journey and see how you can use this as a practice to just 
allow yourself to experience the conversation for what it is and to just let it be a reflection versus something that you're using as a tool for comparison. Now, the last thing I want to call your attention to is the resources that Dora talks about during our conversation, specifically the resources that are provided to mums in the UK. And these are government resources that are available to everyone. And since the majority of you are listening from the US, it's pretty radical to hear the resources that are offered to every mom and family in the UK. And resources for moms and families is definitely something on my lobbying agenda and a topic I plan to record an entire episode around. So more to come on that, but enough for me now. Let's jump right into my conversation with Dora. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to be speaking with you mainly because I've never met you. I got to do the tarot reading with you. So we connected a couple, was that two weeks ago, maybe now to yeah. do it now. Um, but aside from that, one of my intentions with creating a podcast for moms was meeting other women. And it's so cool that I was able to meet someone that was, you know, on the other side of the world. And so if you could get started by just telling us a little bit about yourself, where you're located, and maybe what your life was like before you became a mom. Sure. Yeah. My name is Dora. Um, I also go under Fuchsia Soul. I'm a tarot reader and modern mystic. Um, I'm also a mom to a three-year-old, almost three-year-old. Um, and I'm in London. I'm originally from Frankfurt, Germany, but uh, I moved to London 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. What initially brought you to London? Um, studying. Yeah, I came here uh, for my undergrad. Um, and I thought, you know, when I left, I thought I was going to just stay for those three years and then come back to Germany. But no, that was never going to happen. I just, I feel really at home here. Okay, very cool. And uh, during our, our tarot reading, you had mentioned, and, and I definitely want to get into more of your roles. So we'll talk about that. But one thing I wanted to start with is um, you said you intentionally wanted to wait to become a mom or you intentionally waited to become a mom and that was something I was curious to hear more about so let's talk about you said you have an almost three-year-old son um how did you what were you doing right before you became a mom and how has motherhood shifted that for you and why did you want to wait to become a mom um, so right before I became a mom I was freelancing as a writer and translator and editor um, and I was also traveling quite a bit in my role, um, in one of my roles, um, between Munich and London. So there was a lot of back and forth, but also really, I had worked really hard for myself to claim that freedom of working from home, um, to my own agenda. And I think I was just not ready to, um, yeah, have that be interrupted yet. Um, and I also, you know, had been doing inner work for what seems like a couple of decades now. Um, and I just felt, re- I didn't feel ready yet. Yeah. So um, I waited until I was 35 before I became okay. a mom. Yeah. Yeah. I would say in, in the US, well, at least on the West Coast and maybe on the East Coast, 35 is becoming 
a pretty average age. Like I'm from the Midwest personally. I think we, I shared that with you. I'm from Chicago. So more people there, I would say have kids late twenties, you know, early thirties, but out in California, like 35 or older is very normal. So is that not the case in London? Would you say that people are having kids a little bit earlier than mid thirties? Um, I'd say amongst my, you know, local mom friends, I'm probably part of the older generation. Okay. There are moms who are older than me though. Um, but when I look, it's funny because when I look amongst my friends, you know, from back home or friends that I had before I became a mom, everyone, um, yeah, certainly my specific generation, we all came to motherhood quite late. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you said you had created freedom within your work you were doing freelance after you had your son did you continue doing similar work or how did your life shift for you once you had your son yeah I did actually um one of my clients I told them when I when he was three months old I told them that I was available again to do freelance work from home so I did that and then also um, I'm trying to think now how old he would have been almost one year old I also went back to university to teach um, that was one of my <clears throat> excuse me one of my freelance roles um, that I still do to this day um, as I teach um, cultural and historical studies at London College of Fashion um, so yeah I went back into it not to the same capacity but um, yeah I did go back to work Okay. Yeah. So what did you study in, cause you call it university and in the UK, um, did you study cultural and historical studies or what was your background? I did. Yes. I did media and cultural studies as a BA. So, um, that was ages ago now. And then I went into work, um, and then left that. That was my, actually my only, uh, ever full-time job in, uh, sales, role uh, for stock photography um, and then I went back to uni and did an MA in uh, critical writing and art and design and that's actually where I met my husband this is now 10 years ago okay. so yeah another eternity ago yeah and so there's a lot to unpack of things that you've already said because you mentioned um, that you were doing a lot of inner work and that's something that you and I have discussed and you also shared that you you shared with me when we were talking that you had what you called a strange pregnancy. So which direction would you like to go in first? Do you want to talk about some of the inner work that you had been doing? Um, was that more so like therapy or was that through tarot or um, should we just start from, you know, the beginning of your motherhood journey and talk about pregnancy? What resonates? Yeah, I think they kind of, you know, they're interlinked. So yeah. um, strange pregnancy. Yeah. I mean, it's such a, well, like a weird or even strange word to use, but um, it's just the best way to describe it because it was, um, I just really connected with my own intuition and there were dreams I had around conceiving when I didn't even know I was conceiving. And I just from, you know, right from the first moment, I felt incredibly connected to um, this human being growing inside of me. Um but then at the same time, I was just moaning a lot when I was pregnant as well. I didn't enjoy, I didn't love being pregnant. Okay. Um, I thought it was difficult, you know, for nine months to give up a lot of things that, um, yeah, that 
I was used to, you know, in terms of lifestyle or how I would work and, you know, not having all that energy anymore. I thought, oh, I've got, you know, during my pregnancy, nine months, I've got time to maybe record an album and do some music. But I was just too tired for all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate. And you also had mentioned to me too that you purposely isolated yourself from other moms during your pregnancy. Um, why? Do you know why? Or did it just, you said a lot, you had a lot of intuitive thoughts coming in. Was that one of the intuitive thoughts? Yeah, that was a very intuitive feeling to just, I just wanted to just crawl into my own walls and just be really disconnect with that human being growing inside me, connect to my own, you know, perhaps the death of being um, just someone who's uh, not in charge of anyone and becoming a mother. That's a whole transition. So it just felt really sacred to me and I didn't want to share that. And also I just had an immense amount of judgment um, towards myself and also towards other mums who I knew were parenting so different to what I wanted to do. Um, so, yeah, I think I did that to shield myself, to protect myself from um, all of these external things that I just thought were just distracting me from what I really wanted to do and how I wanted to learn and uncover more. Yeah. Yeah. So, two questions then. Did you also isolate from other? women or men in your life were you using the time of your pregnancy to cocoon or was it really that you were isolating from other moms so that's question number one um I think I probably I'm just trying to think back on it I did isolate a little bit from everyone but definitely more intentionally from other pregnant women and other moms yeah 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 it sounded like when you were pregnant you had an idea of what style of parenting or what approach of parenting that you wanted to embody as a mom can you speak a little bit to what that was and has that been the approach that you have now used over the last three years what did that look like for you yeah I think a lot of it is to do with I just you know because of all the inner work I've been doing I was healing my own inner child a lot of the time and um So I just wanted to just be able to give this same compassion that I had wanted or that I was now able to give to myself and I wanted to give that to my unborn and born child. Um, Yeah, I think that's probably what best describes it. Okay. Was there any books that you referenced or any like parenting experts that you were drawn to or was this just things that came to you on your own um this was mainly what came to me on my own I it's quite embarrassingly I read one book that's all I did and I wasn't even this was a book that was that was given to me by the one pregnant friend I had and we were already friends before we came pregnant we just happened to have a very um close together due date um yeah she gave me the positive birth book and it was amazing I really enjoyed reading it and um, it it felt very different to what at least in my head a lot of the parenting books that um, I've seen in bookshops or heard about were like Um, it was all about agency 
um, especially in childbirth, giving the mother agency and um, also free from judgment in the sense of, you know, whether you choose to do an elective cesarean or you're giving birth at home, whatever you do, you're good. You know, no one should judge you for your decisions. And that really spoke to me because, yeah, judgment was just my major issue. Yeah, it's still something that I'm working with, obviously. Were you doing, was it self-judgment or was it judgment of other moms in the way that they were momming? Um, I think it was both probably to an extent. Mainly I was judging myself. I think I was anticipating being judged by moms who were parenting differently that I was going to be judged because I felt that I wasn't going to be this 100% mother just being a mom. I wasn't able to give that. yeah, so I felt that mums who are so devoted and genuinely devoted to only looking after their children, I really admired them for that on the one hand, but on the other hand, I knew that that wasn't my path. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I made the mistake of reading too many books while I was pregnant, so I'm glad that you found one book that resonated with you, and I actually want to look that book up because... I think that would really speak to me and, you know, I'll skim it. I don't think I need to read anymore right now. And one word that I try to avoid using is balance because I don't think that, I think that's an elusive term. It's like balancing everything. And so from what I've heard you say is that full-time mom, like stay at home mom, that was not the calling that you were interested in pursuing as a mother. So how have you navigated being a mother and then also like I have it written down here because you have so many um, amazing titles you're a modern mystic you're a coach and an artist um, you teach at the London College of Fashion so how have you navigated motherhood within all of those other roles that you encompass within yourself it's um, a really good question I feel that when I'm in the moment doing my work whichever work that is, I'm there 100% in that moment. So I feel like, say, for example, if I'm in a one-on-one with a client in a tarot reading or when I'm teaching my students, most of my work uh, with my fashion students is one-on-one as well, um, I'm just there in that moment and I almost forget, like, I'm also a mom, you know? Shouldn't I be, like, constantly thinking about how my child is doing? And But, yeah, it's it's very much... I focus all my attention on the one thing and then once that's done, I'm back into motherhood, for example, and then I'm there. Yeah. So it sounds like you have someone or people that you trust then to be taking care of your son since you are able to shut off that part of your brain. Um, Where is your son when you're doing your work? Is he with a nanny or I think you mentioned nursery, so I'm assuming that's the equivalent of a daycare or yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So he goes, he actually goes to two different nurseries. Mm -hmm. Um, That was just something, you know, they didn't have a lot of space. So that's just what happened. But actually, we're really happy with the fact that he goes to two different ones. So he's at uh, the local one for three days a week. And then the other two days, he's at a Montessori kindergarten. And and then the rest of the time, he's uh, with my husband. And also while my husband is working, I look after him. So we we, we, yeah, we do things as equally as we can. That's awesome. And so the episode that will go out 
prior to yours, we talk a lot about gender equity. So um, the woman that's on the podcast, Annie, she shares how she is able to do. She's also another woman who has multiple different titles um, aside from being a mom. And she credits her ability to take on all of those divergent roles to the fact that at home, things are equitably shared between her and her partner. Do you feel similarly in your home? Absolutely. Yes, 100%. Um, yeah, it wouldn't be possible otherwise, I think. Um, yeah, I feel incredibly supported also in terms of, you know, being able to do, to live what I dream about personally as well. Yeah. So nitty gritty wise, like you're not doing all the dishes, you're not doing all the cooking, you're not doing all the cleaning, you're shaking your head. No. Yeah. So that's all very shared between you and your husband. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, it used to, you know, the pandemic obviously made that far more equal um, just for the pure fact that, you know, we're all at home all the time. Um, Certainly before, so more like 2019, um, my husband would teach. um, So he has a similar job to me. He teaches at three different universities. um, And yeah, so there's a lot of commuting going on, meetings, uh, lectures, etc. that he'd be out for. And I would then take up Nepal, our son, to all these mums meetups or run errands or spend time with him by myself. Um, And, yeah, as soon as he'd come back, often he would offer for me to also take some time out as well in return. So, yeah, it's it's very sweet. But also, you know, I'm very aware that, and we speak about this a lot, that, he also needs to make sure that his cup is full, you know, it's just in that same way. We're both equal. We both have to look out for not just each other, but also for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And would you say that's, I mean, was that a a normal part of the culture in London or is that unique to your relationship? I think, I mean, just from our own, you know, looking around in terms of, um, other local parents, I feel it's fairly unique. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. There's more, I mean, yeah, much more often than not, the mom is doing everything and um, the dad is bringing the money in. Yeah. And there are also a lot of examples where the mom is also working, Mm -hmm. yet she's also taking care of the house, which pains (laughs) me, pains me. Yeah, I would say that's pretty common here in the United States as well. And I don't know how to shift that, but that's something that I'm going to look into shifting in our culture and hopefully in your culture too. And uh, before we talk more about your work, because that's something I'm so interested in hearing more about, um, I want to go back to you said you had a strange pregnancy, you isolated from other moms. But yeah, after you had your son, you shared with me that you started a WhatsApp group for local and you called it Mums because you say Mums. I say Mums. Um, We call it the podcast for Mums today. So you shared that you started a WhatsApp group to connect local moms in your area. How, like, where did that shift come into play? So you went from being isolated to then wanting to connect. Um, Why? Yeah, I, I was suddenly I was ready. I need I was craving those relationships and I felt like I had missed the boat, you know. Yeah. Um and I went to some of these meetups. There were there's a charity that um 
uh, that exists in the UK called NCT. I think it's something for national charity for parents. I'm not 100% sure what it stands for, but basically it's very popular. You pay a small membership fee and then you've got all these um, pregnancy groups, maybe just the mums, maybe also with the partners. So everyone already knows each other. And then later on there's like baby groups, etc. And some of their groups are open to everyone. Um, and they're free. So I went to these Monday morning buggy walks in my local area-ish. Be like a hmm, half an hour, 45-minute walk to get there or a bus. But I really, you know, walking was my thing um, with the buggy. So, yeah, I'd go to those and it was nice because I felt like, okay, cool, here's some other mums with, you know, we've got kids the same age. Um, and I kept going back, but I realised that maybe after – Four or five times, I realized, okay, we're not really, you know, now we know each other a little bit better. We're not really getting past the small talk stage. We're still still talking about waking up, you know, all those sleep issues and the feeding and la, 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 babies, rather than how are you, you know, how, what's going on for you right now? Um, yeah, and then after a while, I just sort of took all my strength and courage together and went to these um again local okay something about the uk we have children's centers as well these are open to everyone they're free they're um funded through the government it's where you go and have your um child has regular checkups especially in the first 12 months of their life um weigh-ins etc and they also give you out a timetable so pre-covid there'd be like baby classes regular baby classes happening and i'd pick them up each time i'd be like oh, i don't really know if i want to go like i'm embarrassed or i feel i don't know yeah just wasn't ready <laughs> and then i went to one of those and um yeah just saw that there were other mums there who also came there for the first time and they had a four or five month old baby um, and they didn't have that network of local parents yet. Um, so, yeah, I'm quite happy to go up to people and say, especially on a one-on-one -on -one, um, yeah, situation where I uh, just spoke to them and, like, we exchanged numbers and then in the end uh, formed a WhatsApp group. And, yeah, everyone in the group is... Um, love them i love so many of them so dearly and we all parent very differently we're also a very international group um so i think also what we share is that at least our own family isn't in the same country as us you mm. know so we haven't got that support yeah. so yeah um yeah we we support each other so yeah that was a very long way of telling you how all of that switched yeah no, that's, and just, I'm curious. So these baby classes, were they like music classes or, okay. Yeah. So they were yeah, music classes, messy play, yeah. um, a beautiful one, which was all our favorite one. Um, a library class on a Thursday, we'd sit in the local library and there'd be a story read and then we'd sing nursery rhymes together and just, yeah, very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Those class, those things are so hard to go to. So my daughter, she was born in August of 2019, and then we locked down in the U.S. in March of 2020. So around when she was about six months old, and 
I had just started getting the confidence or like even the desire. Like I, like you said, it was like you got to a point where you were like desiring that connection. I had just gotten to the point where I felt ready and willing and able to start going. Like we had a music class we went to. We also went to the local library for story time. And there was like baby sign language at the library. And there were, I would go to these three different libraries in our local area and going to the meetup walks and then everything closed down. And I like you, because one thing we talked about, I had really bad postpartum anxiety. So I also, I more or less, I wouldn't say like, sequestered myself, but I just didn't have the the mental ability to get out of the house in the beginning. And then once I got there, everything closed down. So um, you mentioned in those first like walking groups that you would go to, everything was so surface level. Were you experiencing postpartum at that time? Were you ready to talk about it with other people? And um, when you started to create the WhatsApp group, was that something that you were able to share about on that group? Can you uh, explain maybe, you know, the trajectory of your postpartum? I know it's hard to always outline, but Mm. how that impacted you? And then were you supported by those women that you connected with? Yeah. So um, I think at the time, you know, when I first started going to these buggy walks, I did have an inkling that I had postpartum depression or anxiety, although some, you know, reading or Googling the um, the symptoms, not all of that fit me. So I was a bit like, am I, am I not? I'm not sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I had one really close friend in Canada who had experience with that um, just through, you know, working with other pregnant and uh, other mums. Um, and she had two kids herself who were older. Um, yeah, talking to her was really what guided me through all of that. Um, that was like, yeah, she was a lot like a therapist at the time for me, um, certainly for that part of my life. Um, we did kind of, I never announced it in the group. Um, but I have had personal conversations with other mums who also shared with me that they were going through that and we were able to talk about that. So the group isn't really like, we don't really write about, um, yeah, I feel like what it, what the group actually does, it facilitates, uh, mums talking to each other. So I feel like it's more for me also about the, the smaller groups that splinter off that or the, you know, someone then writing someone a private message and saying, hey, let's hang out. Um, yeah, it's about that more than doing like a massive group therapy because not everyone is as involved as everyone else. Um, yeah. That, no, that totally makes sense. And um, how, what was your postpartum experience like? Um, I was... Oh, difficult to really put it into words. It was just basically like complete overjoy on the one hand and like a ton of crying, but like happy tears, mm-hmm. but also obviously tears that were related to me healing from my own trauma as well. Um, yeah, so there was a lot of that, but then on the other hand, there was also this anxiety and judgment so that manifested through um yeah like horrific 
you know, your mind playing tricks on you, like horrific scenes playing out in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, That just, yeah, that are too horrible to just really share with anyone because you almost think that maybe if I'm talking about it, I might manifest it, Uh, that kind of thing. I mean, I completely relate and I'll even share my daughter's almost two. And now that it's hot outside, I put her in the backseat of the car. And the other day I had this um, vision when I was walking around the car to get into the front seat. I had this vision of me like tripping and falling and then her getting locked in the hot car and suffocating. And so then I went and opened the door, her door again, and then went around and turned on the car and had the air blowing. So if something was to happen to me walking from the back seat of the car to the front seat of the car, she would be okay. The air would be on, her door would be open, even if I'd be laying there incapacitated. And I was just like, oh my goodness, like how long will these thoughts linger for? Mm. And I see my therapist on Wednesday, so I'm going to bring it up because I haven't had one of those type of thoughts that really like shifted my behavior in quite some time. But yeah, I can, I don't know if that's what your thoughts were like, but yeah, in the beginning, that's how I, everything was a catastrophe and I was constantly seeing that in my head. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, yeah, it always takes you by surprise. Suddenly like something new comes in and like, whoa, I hadn't even considered this danger yet. Yeah. Um, And yeah, like you say, the only way through it, I find is through therapy because you just find a way of accepting them as thoughts because that's mm-hmm. literally what they are. Yeah. Um, they're not reality. They're, I mean, yes, sometimes our fears are useful because they tell us that we need to be careful and not just be careless, you know, with, uh, especially when we look after a small human being. But, um, yeah, I mean, now the most helpful way I deal with them is to just notice when I am feeling these thoughts when I am thinking these thoughts um that it's usually because it's a warning sign it's just like a a a lamp that goes on in your car you know something needs your attention something else really so usually that for me is self-care and that means I need to meditate and perhaps check in with myself and see um how can I ground myself how can I make sure that I'm okay um, and then, yeah, everything feels easier again, and it's not uh, haunted by these terrible thoughts. So what I'm hearing you say is that when you're well-resourced, you're not experiencing your postpartum um, anxiety or depression as greatly as when you're not taking care of yourself. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you let them run away with you, if you sort of choose to hop on that train to like use that analogy of that's your crazy thought, if you just jump on, you know, um, yeah, that's, that can be horrible. You need to just stop yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You, I, I do want to talk about your practices because you have some great ones, but a personal question that I have is how were you then managing your postpartum anxiety and depression while you were also like back at work doing your freelance work or while you were working um, at the university? Were you having a tough time doing both of those things or was it almost a reprieve to be doing your work during that space? Yeah, depending on the job. So all my freelance work gave me 
super hardcore anxiety. Um, it wasn't a very helpful, you know, I just sort of through the pandemic learned that maybe just because I'm good at editing and translating um, doesn't mean that I have to do this type of work. It's really not helpful. It feeds into my anxiety, actually. I've noticed that. And also working for any corporate clients. So less so, I think, yeah, the student work was something that, and certainly with all my tarot work, that's something that gives me back so much that mm. even though, yes, it is exhausting to, you know, do a days of, day of work, but afterwards I feel full, you know, yeah. um, rather than depleted in that sort of empty, exploitative way. Um, yeah, I think distraction worked for a long time for me and certainly um, 2019 hanging out with uh, other mums, you know, we'd go to meetups pretty much every day. It was really lovely, you know, I'd be like, oh, we go to this and then like, see you tomorrow. And you can just text the group or rock up and there'd be a bunch of friends waiting for you and we'd all hang out together. And then, well, guess what? Pandemic hit and all of that crumbled away. And I realized that that was just the busyness of that was a Band-Aid for something mm -hmm. that had not really been dealt with. So, yeah, that's when I started to seek out actual therapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and therapy has changed my life. I'm assuming it's been the same for you. And, and you mentioned, and it sounds like a very therapist approach to things like naming the thoughts, realizing that they're just thoughts. So are those some of the tools that you learned in therapy? Were there anything else that um, was, was there anything else in therapy that helped you to cope and, and manage your postpartum anxiety and depression? Yeah, I felt really validated. It was just so nice to be able to tell someone everything that's mm -hmm. on your mind and for them to go, you know, and me saying, oh, I'm judging myself so much for this this thing. And they'd be saying something like, well, you're not, first of all, you're not the only one. And second of all, it's really not as bad as you think it is. Mm -hmm. um, that felt really empowering to me. Um, yeah, and like a, a new experience because I hadn't done, I had like a quick experience of some counseling therapy during my undergrad, um, probably 15, 16, 17 years prior. And it was, it didn't, I did, it didn't gel well with me at the time. It didn't work for me. Um, and I had done alternative healing, um, some more like Reiki style, etc. And I remember that I wanted to do therapy and they discouraged me from that, which I thought was, in hindsight, I can sometimes get a bit angry about that because it's quite toxic to tell someone, no, 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 what I'm doing is great for you. Don't go to therapy. You're just going to talk yourself out of it. So, yeah, this is just on that note. It's something that I feel really strongly about and I often check with my um, clients especially when we talk about mental health related things that they actually do in fact have a um, professional psychologist, a therapist who's looking after them. Um, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I could see how your work could also, I mean, with the experience I had when we had our tarot session, I could see how those lines could be blurred very quickly because people are coming to you to talk about deep 
concepts or ideas within their lives. And that's something I want to hear a little bit more about, you know, what is modern mysticism to you and how did you find tarot? And um, can you speak a little bit to you are a coach and you're an artist, you mentioned that you're a musician. So that's, there's a lot of things that you offer and do in your life. Can you share about those things yeah so maybe i start with how did i find tarot because that's such a long time ago yeah um i think i was 16 or 17 and i just found a tarot deck at um at home my mom was using tarot every now and then and um yeah my friends and i we were just playing around with it and i just quite quickly noticed that i was really good at interpreting the images um because we were too lazy to read the <laughs> the book that goes alongside it, um, it wasn't like, you know, one of those, just one small page of text. It was quite a bit. So you really had to study it. And um, yeah, I was had, I was just naturally drawn to um, zoning, tapping into my own intuition of what I thought the message was going to be and also translating how I saw that in the image of each card. So it's something I used mainly for then another two decades, um, just in my own practice with my own inner work. Um, and then I decided to um, share that and turn that into a client practice. Yeah. Did you ever have a tarot teacher or is it just all self-study? It's self-study. I didn't have a tarot teacher. Um, later on, so the most recent course I did was a um, an astrology, a traditional astrology course, um, because I noticed that I felt that you know there's so many references to planets and zodiac signs, etc. Within the tarot, I wanted to know more um, than just you know going beyond the oh wands represent fire. You know, just going a bit deeper. So um, it felt like the natural next step to, um, yeah, deepen my tarot practice with that astrology knowledge as well. So that's another part that comes into it when I read. Um, and, yeah, it's just a lifetime of reading, an abundance of self-help books and um, doing so much journaling. And having a moon practice for on and off for the past eight years, I guess. So I would just sort of specifically do like a, a full moon tarot ritual or a new moon tarot ritual, write down some affirmations, ask some questions of how to go forward. And, you know, over the time, I feel like I have shifted a whole lot of shit. Um I'm not saying that, you know, I'm 100% healed. There's still a lot of new things or old, actually, I should say, because as you're uncovering all the different layers, you're coming more and more to the core. So, yeah, there's a lot that I'm still working on right now. But, um, yeah, there are some bigger themes in my life that I feel I've really resolved just actually on my own. And I think just coming back to the whole thing of therapy, um, tarot cards were certainly pointing towards that it was time for me to say okay I'm ready to also receive external support now I don't have to do everything on my own yeah so you um, let's see how do I ask this question you refer to it as inner work that's something that I've heard you say a lot so would you say that tarot is part of your inner work 
too? Absolutely. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So the way I read tarot is not, um, it's not like, you know, you go to the circus and there's someone in a little tent and they tell you, oh, you're going to meet someone um, in the next month. Or It's not like that. We, we certainly started off like that when we were teenagers, you know, like trying to find out what boy was going to ask us out or whatever. Um, but, yeah, it is very inner work, sort of self-help focused, um, the way I read. Um, yeah, it's trying to, I mean, you'd probably be able to talk about it better having experienced it, but, um, I am trying or at least hoping to, um, to have you come out of the reading feeling like you're closer to your own core mm -hmm. and that you feel empowered and you have trust that you know that what you want is going to manifest for you. It's a matter of time. Um, But yeah, that I do think that those very intimate dreams that we have of what we want or the desires or cravings we have um, for connections or whatever it is, you know, um, yeah, like that is absolutely possible and going to become your reality if you choose to turn your attention towards it. I will share a little bit about my tarot reading with you then yes, just please. to be very specific yeah I wanted to focus on female friendships and sisterhood that's something that has been I don't want to say a tough spot in my life but yeah a tough spot in my life as of late things shifted a lot for me after I had my daughter and then with the pandemic things changed even more and so that was some of the questions that we asked and you did four different cards and What I really took away from the experience was it almost reaffirmed certain ideas that I had within myself that was like, it's, it's going to take time that, you know, I have to, it, it's coming, it's going to take time. And yeah, when you said like got closer to yourself, it, that's, I would say was my experience because I don't want to hear, oh, it's going to take time. I want to hear my three best friends are going to show up tomorrow and everything's going to be great. But yet I knew in my heart that wasn't the truth. And so just seeing it through the cards that um, it is going to happen, it's going to take some time. That was really comforting for me to experience. And I'm curious within your role now as being a mom, have you been able to bring your tarot practice into motherhood at all? Or even with decisions around your son or experiences that you have with your your son or your husband have you been able to invite that practice into your life as a mom yeah you mean like am I asking questions around those themes absolutely yeah, yeah. not all the time but of course yeah definitely that helps um because like you say I, when I read Tara for myself it just confirms something that I already carry within me or I already know um sometimes of course it can give you new sparks new ideas as well but um yeah I, I'm a strong believer in that everything we need is already within us um but sometimes we need to tickle it out a little bit mm -hmm. um and have that trust because yeah lots of different voices external noise can really um bury that yeah 
Yeah. And one other thing that came up during the tarot too, is you asked me if I build relationships and connections through my creative endeavors. And at first I was almost like, no, but then I was like, obviously yes, because I'm speaking to you because of a creative endeavor. And so that was something that really drew me in. And on my first solo episode, I actually made a call to say like, hey, if you feel drawn to collaborate on a podcast for moms, please reach out. And so that was a spark that lit for me is that I hadn't, I had seen this yes as an opportunity creating this podcast to meet other moms and to connect with other women. Yeah, I didn't see it necessarily as an avenue for friendship or sisterhood. I was more looking at it as like a tangible, like not necessarily business, but kind of like that. And so, yeah, that was a spark that came out of the the reading that I did with you. So thank you. And um, I think this would be a really great time for you to share one thing that I said I wanted to learn more about is you have some pretty incredible offerings that you're currently working on. I think they're in like a beta test phase, if I'm correct. Yes. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you're currently working on and what you're going to be bringing into the world in the coming weeks or months or whenever it's going to happen? Yes, absolutely. So one of my big themes of what I was working on when I talk about inner work uh, before motherhood was I was healing my relationship with my body. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a really messed up relationship with my own body I was constantly talking about it thinking about it in a bad way felt feeling inadequate restricting what I was eating um putting it under through diet and exercise regimes and just not loving my body you know so I had really worked from sort of 2015 until 2017 18 just yeah just before I got pregnant I felt like I was there, you know, I could say that, yes, I fully embrace myself the way I am right now. So I've been working all of that into a program. It's a seven part program that um, I have called Time to Glow Up, which is a bit of a Mm -hmm. tongue in cheek title. But essentially, it's about it's a program where I help women to reestablish the dialogue they've got going with their body um, and also to work on body positivity and on loving themselves exactly as they are, but also to not feel shitty or judgy about themselves if they say, actually, I wouldn't mind if I weighed a little bit less. So we're kind of doing both at the same time, but then also to um, remain open-minded and understand that maybe halfway through the program, you might say, actually, I don't care about how much I weigh anymore because I'm now on the way and on the path to loving myself as I am Mm -hmm. um so yeah this is uh the offer that I'm working on right now and I'm going to be launching in September so yeah if people want to hear more I think the best way to um to do that would be to just contact me on Instagram or uh, go to my website or send me an email and uh, on my website there should be like a pop-up box where you can subscribe to my newsletter um And then, yeah, that's sort of the channel where I'll be posting about that, writing about that a bit more uh, once the time is ready. Yeah. So is that a group program or is that one-on-one? Is it self-paced? How does the program flow? Um, It is not a group program. 
Um, I think what's really important, I may one day turn it into a group program, but for me right now, it's really important that it's one-on-one because um, sometimes that's all the space and capacity we have. You know, it takes so many guts to show up in a group and talk about your body. Um, And I think doing that one-on-one is easier and you're going to get more out of it because everyone is different and everyone's journey is different. So I don't just want to teach one generic way. Um, Yes, there are seven video components. So each time you get a a video, we go through the seven chakras. So we start with the root chakra. There'll be a video about that with some exercises, some practical ones, some journaling prompts. And then each of these uh, video sections um, also has a a guided audio visualization or meditation, sometimes ritual, um, that then works on manifesting that and we're working with positive affirmations through that. And then once you've done your video and you've listened to the meditation, we then have our one-on-one session where we talk about everything and we talk about your specific blocks. And um, I then ask about three to four tarot questions as well. So, yeah, we're finding um, it's really to help you um, come to your own perfect way of being with yourself and within your body and yes understanding that looks different to everyone for everyone so two questions i have one doing this work prior to having your son did that allow for your the shifts in your body postpartum to was there more grace there and my other question is what changed for you in your life after you started having more love and acceptance of your body. So it's like you developed this love and acceptance. How did your external reality start to shift once you had those changes happen within? Yeah, I think it's very much linked to motherhood because once I truly accepted and loved my body, that's actually when I became a mom Mm -hmm. or when I became pregnant. Um, Yeah, the timing of that is very close together. And um, I mean... While I was pregnant, my body obviously transformed a lot. Um, and I put on a lot of weight as well, more than um, possibly uh, health professionals would have deemed as, deemed as healthy. Um, but afterwards, it just, again, it sounds so stupid. And, you know, when I say it, but like it did drop off. Mm-hmm. Um because I wasn't concerned about it, whether it should be there or not, I was just still feeling, even though I was like, weighed 50% more than what I did before I became pregnant. Does that make sense? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. double, not double the weight, but yeah, half of me on top of what I weighed just before I went into hospital. Um, I felt gorgeous. I felt really beautiful. And the same was true when I was postpartum I was still able to love my body and this is you know as someone who had hated her body for um up to that point for all of my adult life I always felt inadequate yeah so yeah yeah. I I loved being pregnant too felt great when I was pregnant I definitely struggled postpartum though and I think that what I hadn't realized before I was pregnant is that, yes, I had 
at various points in time in my life wanted to have bigger boobs or a bigger butt because that was like what was the thing to have at the time. But I did get to a space where I was like more or less accepting of myself. And then I realized like, oh yeah, that was kind of easy for you because your body naturally fit into the category of what was socially acceptable. Like I've always been naturally thin, naturally muscular. So yeah, of course I didn't have a hard time accepting myself because I fit into the box of what was acceptable. Mm. And since I've had my daughter, I have diastasis uh, rectus that my mm-hmm. muscle split. So I had to be really careful with the core exercises I was doing. So I didn't immediately have those, like that super flat, tight core that I had prior to being pregnant with my daughter. And I so struggled with that so much. And now I'm happy to be pregnant again because now I'm like, okay, at least I don't have to worry about being self-conscious about my belly. And I know other women and I've spoken, I mean, to a lot of people about this, like a lot of women would look at me and be like, I want to look like that. They would be happy with where I, I am. Um, but I'm so hypercritical of myself. And so now I'm like, oh dear God, thankfully I can just like grow this big belly again. So I don't have to worry about what my belly looks like anymore. And so after I have my next baby, this sounds like a program, I'm it's gonna be time for me to glow up. That's the truth. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I never realized I had body image issues until I experienced what life was like after I had a baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's very real. And I, I actually want to share like a little, um, um, yeah, like an exercise that maybe your listeners can do of their moms as well. Um, and you're probably doing this, Julia, already right now because you actually have a baby in your belly. Mm-hmm. But for everyone who used to have a baby in their belly and it's not there anymore now, you know, you've given birth to your child, is to still extend that same love and attention to your belly um, as you would have done while you were pregnant. Talk to your belly, send it love. You know, and if you are able to do that every day, just for a little bit, um, your be- your belly is going to love you back for it. It's just a beautiful um, affirmation of love to yourself that you can give to yourself. And yeah, just see what magic is going to happen from it afterwards. Yeah, I mean, that's easy for me to do now. I'm going to have to, you know, seven, eight months from now, I'm going to take that on and and we'll we'll regroup and talk about it then in the meantime. So you, your, can you please share your website and your Instagram and then I'll make sure to link those so everyone can get in contact with you. Yes. Thank you. Um, so it's futuresoul.com is my website. So future, like the color of the flower. And then my Instagram is at future soul in one word. Okay. And that's and where you, you can find me. You said that you had a newsletter as well. So there's a pop-up box on, box on your website and that's where you sign up for the newsletter? Absolutely, yeah. And if you um, are not that good with tech like me, you can also just shoot me a DM or send me an email, futuresoul at gmail.com and I will manually add you to the list. Wonderful. And I know you mentioned to me that you share a lot more in your newsletter than you do on Instagram and on your website. So if anyone's interested in receiving a little bit more of an intimate look into your life or your offerings, that would be the best place for them to do that, correct? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, well, 
thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing today. It's, I was going to say this morning, but it's the evening for you. <laughs> and I'm so excited to see the launch of the Glow Up and then to participate in it in 2022 and whatever iteration that it is available. Is there anything that you feel called to share before we wrap up this um, morning, evening? Yeah, no, I just also want to say thank you so much, Julia, for having me. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure and honor. And um, yeah, I'm very, very extremely excited about this podcast that you've got going there. And I've absolutely loved, I think up until now, only uh, two episodes have been out. Mm-hmm. Loved them. I had tears in my eyes. Um, wonderful what you're doing there. And yeah, I wish you all the very best for this great podcast that I think is so important. And I certainly wish I'd had this when I was going through postpartum. Thank you. And if you're interested in learning more about Dora, please check the show notes if you weren't able to catch anything that was said previously. And thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share this episode with your friends. And... You can help us grow by subscribing, rating, and reviewing a podcast for moms on your favorite podcasting platforms. I'd love to connect with you. Feel free to direct message me on Instagram at a podcast for moms or send me an email, a podcast for moms at gmail.com. I can't do this alone. Together, though, we are a movement of moms revolutionizing the world through radical motherhood.